The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I'd like to thank you for each person that's here tonight. Just come down and touch the words that I say and open the hearts and the minds of each person that's here and just minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. My name is Lisa Kunzegoff, and I'm an Energen here at Unite. You haven't seen me around this semester much, but, but you'll, I'll get to that in just a little bit. In the past few weeks here at Unite, we've been talking about the 23rd Psalm. A couple weeks ago, Mark talked about how God provides for us and he cares about us as a shepherd cares for his sheep. And last week, Holly spoke about stepping away from our busy, busyness and finding our rest in our Lord. Well, tonight, I would like to focus on verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. During our lifetime, we have many mountaintop experiences. We graduate, we get the job we wanted, we get to hang out with our friends or our family. We have many good times but we also have times where we struggle a lot and we're in the valley. In nature, valleys can be challenging places. They're where two mountains come together and they're usually U-shaped or V-shaped, but that's often where dangerous predators like to hide and search for their prey. And because there's mountains on each side, you often have to watch for falling rocks or rock slides and mudslides, even snow. There's a lot of uncertainty in, when traveling through valleys. They can be very shadowy because the mountains hide the sun, and so there's a lot of shadows, and our perception of things can be off. And there's often fog that can settle on the valley floor. Just as the dense fog covers a valley floor and it makes it difficult to see, sometimes when we go through valleys in our lives, it's difficult to see beyond our situation or our heartbreak or the struggle that we're in. I'd like to take you on a journey with me that I've had for the last two years that has been through a pretty difficult valley for me. Two years ago, I had just gotten over COVID and I was starting to feel better. And I noticed a, a pain when I sat. It was just kind of a little bit of a discomfort, nothing too serious. And I've been in a wheelchair my whole life. And so things like that is not uncommon. 
So I began to take care of it. Um, I have some special cream that I would put on to help my skin, or um, I had some Band-Aids that I would put on, but it just didn't really seem to get any better. And one day, one of my caregivers, the lady that helps me get dressed in the morning, noticed that it was, a, it was becoming a hole. And I still tried to take care of it, and I prayed, and I asked God to take care of it, and it didn't go away. It continued to get a little bit worse. And so I decided that I probably should seek medical attention. So I got a referral from my primary care physician, and you know that takes time then to get into the other doctor. So I began going to Claire to a wound clinic. And so each week we had to drive back and forth. And, but when I first went, I found out a lot about wounds that I didn't know. There are four stages to wounds. And when I first saw the doctor at the wound clinic, mine was already at a stage three. But they reassured me that with the, the treatment that they could give me, that it would you know, probably be taken care of, but it might take a little time. Well, so every morning we had to pack my wound with this material that they gave us to put in the wound. And of course that was kind of painful and a little bit you know, bothersome it seemed. I just kind of wanted it to go away and get back to my normal life. Well, within about six weeks from going to the wound clinic, my wound was continuing to get worse, and I went to the clinic the one day, and they said that it looked infected. So they took a culture of the wound, and they set me up for a CT scan, to see how much of the tissue had been affected and if the bone could have been infected at all. And I had a couple different bacterias in the wound and it, the CT scan showed that I had what was called chronic osteomyelitis, which is a big fancy word for a bone infection. Well, I didn't know anything about bone infections. And so I quickly learned that they generally treat bone infections with infusion antibiotics. So I had to get um, a central line put in so we could do my antibiotics at home every, every day. And so that was kind of a bit of rocky ground. It was definitely an area that I had not ever been before, and I did, you know, I had to learn a lot of things, but it was like, God, why doesn't this just go away? I know you could take care of it. But the pain continued to increase. When I would get into my wheelchair in the morning, it, the best way to describe it is if you sat on a nail. And it would, I would try to position myself that it wouldn't hurt so bad, but it, it definitely hurt. And I, I got the central line and I did the antibiotics and the pain got a little bit better, but it still, the wound was still there and I still had to 
go through packing it every day. And th that would have been around March. And so I had to continue the rest of the winter and spring going to the wound clinic. And then it was early spring and we thought we had a breakthrough. It looked like the skin was closed and I was excited that this was gonna be over. They even had a bell at the um, wound clinic where you could ring it that you were done. And about two weeks later, the wound had opened back up. And it was just before my birthday and I was so discouraged that you know, I wanted to be able to celebrate my birthday and celebrate that the, the wound situation was passed. Well, they once again did a culture and I had an infection again. But that time they put me on oral antibiotics, which those, I'm sure many of you have been on antibiotics and they make your stomach so upset and you just feel tired and just draggy all the time. Um, so that was June. I took the antibiotics for the 10 days, two weeks. And then about two weeks later, I got another infection. And so in July, I had an infection again. And then August, I had one again. And I was like, Lord, what is going on? We were doing everything that the doctor had said. Um, and so I decided I was going to try and take a different route to get some different help. And so I was able to find a wound clinic here in Mount Pleasant. And so that was nice that I didn't have to drive back and forth to Claire every week. Well, the, the nurse practitioner was like, we will treat this aggressively and try to get it taken care of. And I was kind of excited that it seemed like there was some hope there. And so we once again had to put a central line back in because she wanted to do infusion antibiotics again. And she also wanted to try hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And what that is, they put you in a tube that's clear and you watch Netflix and they change the air temperature, the pressure. So you have 100% pure oxygen and it's supposed to help your, your blood flow to get the oxygen, um, hopefully, to that wound in the bone. So I diligently went every day. And I was in the, the chamber for two hours each time. And it was cold. And I, at least I could have a blanket. But I had to wear certain clothes. Um, you had to wear, have 100% cotton, so I had to wear scrub pants and only shirts that were cotton. And um, so I continued doing my antibiotics and my oxygen therapy. And then we find out that my iron was really low. And so I had to start taking an iron pill um, because I, of the, the wound was constantly bleeding. And I mean, not a huge amount, but there was still always that. And so I was just really tired and, and dragged down. Well, in January of this past, this year, it seems like it's been a long year, but in January, um, they did another CT scan and another um, 
culture and I had another infection and the CT scan also showed that there was some fluid by the bone. And the um, nurse practitioner said, you need to see a surgeon, Lisa. Well, that was the last thing that I really wanted to hear. I really did not want to have surgery because I knew that that would be a very lengthy healing process. And, but I knew I had done everything that I could. And it just seemed like this valley that I was in just kind of kept getting darker and more uncertain. And then I continued throughout the springtime to just repeatedly have more infections and just felt worse and worse and the pain just increased. Um, and one of the things I was concerned about with surgery a previous surgery that I'd had, I'd had breathing issues um, during the operation. And so I had a great concern of if I have surgery, am I even going to make it through? Um, and then I also knew that there was a lot of after the surgery care. You know, sometimes God answers our prayers differently than we want. Um, I had wanted him to heal this right at the beginning, but it didn't go that way. And so I just continued trusting, knowing that he had a plan, even though I could not see what that plan was. Um, and so um, I first was supposed to see a surgeon in mid-February, but they had actually made an appointment with me to see a hand specialist instead of a, a, a surgeon that was a wound specialist. So that put the surgery off even further, or the seeing the surgeon even um, off further. And over the some, well then in April, I finally got to see the surgeon. And soon as she saw my, my wound, she said, oh, I know exactly what's wrong. She said, you have bone, pelvic bone, that's dying. And that's why all these antibiotics are not helping because the infection is in the bone and then it just kind of keeps making its way out through the tissues. And so it was good that she seemed to know what she was wrong and what to do about it. Um, but she said that she wanted me to be off from antibiotics for six weeks. And so I, considering it seemed like every couple months or every couple weeks or so I was on antibiotics, this was going to be quite the challenge. So I finished up the antibiotics that I was on at that time and then waited all summer long. And I do, I read up that if you have the chronic osteomyelitis, you have to be careful because you could be at a higher risk for your bone to break. And so between being concerned about having a bone break as well as the pain level, I didn't really do much of what I normally do in the summertime. Normally, I like to go for long rides and enjoy the, the sunshine and everything, and I pretty much stayed home. 
and I used to cook for my family and it just kind of got harder and harder to be able to do things because I would, my chair has a tilt on it and so I would try to tilt so that way I could um, take some of the pressure off but that made it really difficult to do anything. Well, the time came for surgery, finally, August 17th. I was kind of uh, excited that there could be light at the end of the tunnel here, but yet kind of a little bit apprehensive. So at, when I, they went to do my surgery, I had a lot of skin that was around my wound that was irritated because I had a lot of, of drainage from my wound and it irritated my skin. So the surgeon had planned to go in and close up the wound. So it was, it was called a muscle flap. They would um, put some of my skin would go over the, the little hole that I had. But because of the irritation of the skin, she couldn't do that because otherwise I would then have irritated skin sewed up inside and then that could make it um, worse for healing. So she went in and she cleaned all the dead tissue out of the wound and she took off some of the bone that was, well, all the bone that was infected. Um, I read the notes and it said that she scraped the bone until there was healthy blood flow. And so the plan was then that I would go home with this wound still, and I would have to pack it twice a day still. And then um, I would have to go back sometime after six weeks of the antibiotics and stuff that I was on um, were all done, and then she would close the wound. And then I would have six weeks more of bed rest. Um, and so I went home and I started um, my healing of hoping, hoping to heal, not knowing really what was before me. Well, before I left the hospital, I asked one of the doctors, I said, could this heal on its own now that the infection was all taken out? And he said, well, it could, but it's, it would take a really long time and it's not likely to happen. So I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I understand that sometimes God heals us through doctors and medicine and, and things, but I went home and I tried sitting and it hurt a lot. So I decided that the best thing for me was bed rest. So I would, I would get up a, like a couple times a day and I would hang, I have a Hoyer lift. I don't know if any of you have ever seen one but it's a hydraulic lift that people can transfer me from my wheelchair to the bed and vice versa. And I like hang in a sling while I would, so I could eat and, and um, be able to be with my family a little bit. I would have one of my caregivers get me out of bed and they would pull me out to the living room 
or kitchen and I would eat and then within an hour though I would need to go lay back down. So I was really, really beginning to feel the struggle of being in bed just about all the time. Um, I felt very disconnected from my family. I mean, they would come talk to me and I would yell out to them, you know, and, and stuff, but it's still to not be able to be with them. They would ask me maybe where something was, you know, and here I am laying in bed trying to, you know, oh, it's behind this or that. Um, if one time in particular, if you, I can look back and laugh at it now, but it was very frustrating at the time. Lothario needed to make a flyer for his nonprofit organization. And he was going to use um, Google Docs or Google Slide and then download it to be able to um, attach it to an email to send to someone to print. He didn't know how to do any of that, hardly. So I'm laying in bed and I'm yelling out to the other room, go over to the left side of the, of the screen. Do you see the word file? Okay, now go down to download. And he, you know, going back and forth and, you know, where? And so then we'd have to go back and do that again. And I'm just, it was like, it, it's funny to look back now, but at the time I was just wanting to cry because it's something that I could have done in a matter of moments. And, and to be able, I'm glad he now knows how to do that, but it was just really frustrating for me to try to have to explain every little step that there was. Well, it just seemed like I kept getting more discouraged because I just really couldn't get up and do anything. And one night I was laying in bed when neither my son nor my husband were home and, and I was crying as I, as I had many times. And thankfully, God has big shoulders. But I heard a voice say to me, in all things give thanks. And I paused. And I knew it was a Bible verse that I'm like, really, God? I really don't feel like giving thanks right now. And I, I just was feeling so bad, but I'm like, okay. So I paused and I looked up where it was at. And it was in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It said, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks, in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm like, how can I give thanks for having to lay in bed here and not really be able to do much? I can't go to church. I can't go to Unite. And I was just thinking of all the things that I couldn't do. And then I, I'm like, okay. I need to start giving thanks. And I want you to look at those words. And it says, in all circumstances, give thanks. 
It doesn't say for all circumstances. Sometimes there are things that happen that are just, it's like this is not of God. But he wants us to find the good in the situation. And if we look for it, we can find it. Then I thought about another verse that said, that says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's Philippians 4, 6. Well, that night, I think I thanked God for my family, my cat, my bed, my TV, especially TLC and the Food Network, and, and my phone, because my phone was my way that I could be able to stay, you know, I could be able to talk to people, I could be able to, you know, do many things. And I think from there, I, every day, I made it a point to thank God for more and more. You know, Jesus wants us to focus on him. Hebrews 12.2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. When you start reflecting on the situations that God has already helped you through, you will see how he has fought for you and how he has showed up for you and how he will again. And it leads us to dependence on God. We can look to him as our shepherd, the one who provides for us and the one who restores us and refreshes our soul. Thanks is an emotion, but gratitude is an attitude. Gratitude towards our heavenly father is a way to take back our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, when we're going through difficult situations and we start having those negative thoughts, Take them captive. I used to have, I printed out a picture. I think it was like a piece of popcorn or some character, the cartoon thing, and it looked like it was in jail. And I put this Bible verse, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I hung it up on my door. So that way when I would start having the negative thoughts and the thoughts that weren't of God, I would remember that it's, up to me to take those captives thought the thoughts captive and I think many times fear is a big a big thought a big problem that we need to take captive we have fear of not feeling worthy fear of rejection fear of acceptance fear of change fear of failure and many other things Fear can be, can be crippling because it paralyzes us. It causes us to look inward instead of upward at God. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants us to focus on ourselves and our struggles and our problems. He doesn't want us to be focusing on God. And he knows what each and every one of our weaknesses are. But God is our strength. You know, Daniel was a great man of faith in the Bible. And he went through a situation where he had something that was going to happen where I don't think any of us are faced with being thrown into a lion's den or about to be murdered. Well, I'll read Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel learned that a decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened <coughs> toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You know, he could have had been overwhelmed by thoughts of fear. He could have went home and packed his bags and tried to sneak out of town. He could have went home and paced the floor or many things, but what did he do? He went home and he prayed and he thanked God for the things that he had done in his life. See, gratitude gives us hope. Gratitude reminds us where we've been and gives us hope for where we're going. It puts us in a posture of warfare. <coughs> Every time, each time that we think about a situation that God has already brought us through, it builds our faith. And faith is part of spiritual warfare. Satan will throw our fears and our temptations in our way. But we will remember that what God has done in our past, and that will build our faith. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of, of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, when we're in the valley, we have opportunity to either put our head down or to grow. Flowers grow in abundance in the valley. 
<coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, and rivers of contentment and refreshment. You know, I like to think of um, our friends and our community around us as a river flowing through the valley. They give us a new perspective and they refresh our soul when we're feeling down. You know, I ask God and you ask God. Many of you here prayed for me and I didn't understand why I had to go through all this and that I wasn't healed earlier. But then I realized that God had a bigger plan. My healing would be in such a way that only he could do it. And now I'll tell you the rest of the story. So each day, twice a day, we had to pack the, my wound with gauze. Well, when I first came home from the hospital, we were using four-inch gauze, and I'm not sure how long it was. Well, after a period of time, it became two and a quarter inch gauze. Well, then I started kind of measuring it up to my one dresser, and it became shorter and shorter. Each day, we put less gauze in the wound. Eventually, we used one inch gauze and then half inch gauze. Well, I messaged the surgeon's office and I said, um, what do I, how do I take care of my wound once it's closed? Like, do I use a certain type of Band-Aid or what? Oh, well, it won't close. You will need this other surgery. And I'm like, oh, okay. She says it won't close, but it's closing. So I was supposed to be scheduled for the surgery on October 24th. But it wasn't going to be at the University of Michigan Hospital. It was going to be at a different hospital, um, one of their affiliates. And um, so one day I get a call and I say hello. And I knew it was the doctor's office. And um, it was one of the nurses. And I'm like, oh, how are you? And she says, I'm not doing very well. And I'm like, OK. Um, why? What's up? It just didn't seem very professional at first for the nurse to say this. She said, well, the hospital that we have your surgery scheduled at said they don't want to do your surgery. And I'm like, okay. And um, in Ann Arbor, we can't do your surgery until the first part of December. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, because my wound is healing, but it's not quite there yet. So this gives opportunity for the wound to close. And she's like, oh, okay. And so we, we hung up. And then I, a week or two later, heard from the surgeon's office. And they were determined that it would not close. But each day, it was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, a week ago, um, it was the night before, um, I was to go to the, the surgeon for a follow-up, and Lothario looked at the wound with the flashlight, and it was completely closed. And so the next day, I went to the doctor, 
And as I was getting on the examining table and talking to the nurse that was there, a different nurse than I had spoke to prior, but the nurse was asking me about the wound and I said, well, it's closed. And she said, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, it, it is possible, it closed. And then the surgeon came in and you know she never thought it would close, but she said, you mean it closed without me? And it's like, well, it was, you know, we, we had to kind of give her a little pat on the back that from her doing the surgery that she did, but there's no way that that wound would have closed as it did unless it was our Heavenly Father's healing power that closed it. And he did that in such a way that nobody else could take credit for that. It was all him. You know, he is with each of us as we go through the valleys, even when we don't understand what they, what they are. Now, the last half of the verse 4 says, For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the rod there represents God's discipline, his power, his authority, and how he defends us. The staff represents his kindness, his compassion, and his never-ending patience. And I'm very thankful that he was patient with me through all this. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit comfort me. Sometimes it was through the scripture. Sometimes it was through words of encouragement of someone in my family or a friend or a phone call from someone from the church or even a song. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. I don't know what valley you're going through right now or what valleys you will go through, but I know that there's a God of the impossible and he walks beside you through each and every valley. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear God, I wanna thank you for your strength and I wanna thank you for your love I want to thank you that you're there through even the, the difficult times and even when we don't have the words to say. Just thank you for dying on the cross for us and always being there and, and your love each and every step. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless.